you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Coming up on Total Access, The Locker Room. Orlando Brown is yep. the biggest human being you'll ever see in your life. He's our starting right tackle. He's not getting cut. <laughs> but like all you guys, you're all paranoid. Yep. So he goes up above his locker and takes his nameplate off and throws it across the room. And he goes, ain't cutting me. You ain't cutting me. I'm like, trust me. I am not, Don't gonna, I am not, I'm not looking for you. You are good. Welcome to NFL Total Access, the locker room. I'm Michael Robinson, joined by former head coach Brian Billick. Coach, what's going on, big dog? Yeah, it's getting interesting. We've had some good football. The game, this is Dash for the Cash in December, so it's getting fun. Dash for the Cash. I got to use that one day, man. We're going to let you guys in on what players and coaches really talk about inside the locker room. Today, it's all about the scouting and spotting of talent. And we're talking to our draft guru and former NFL scout, Daniel Jeremiah. I cannot wait to hear his stories about going into the locker room as a young 22-year-old man. And firing players, coach, well, being the Grim Reaper, telling them that they've lost their job, that has to be a tough thing to do. Yeah, DJ did that for me, and that is a tough job. And they're also you're also going to hear about life on the road. He's got some great insights, whether you're a scout, a salesman, or whatever, some huge tips for when you have to go on the road. All right, let's bring in Daniel Jeremiah, our scouts guru, DJ. First of all, we can't have you on the podcast without giving us your favorite locker room story. Do you have one? Yeah, I got one that that Coach will appreciate uh, because it goes back to the Baltimore Ravens uh, when I was working there and spent four years there. And the first two years I was – I was uh, in the office and actually served as kind of the Turk. So you had to go out and, and uh, you know how that works, Mike. Oh, right? so, so you was the Green Reaper? Yeah. Oh, no. So you had to now, go. Why'd you, say, why'd you say you know how that works, Mike? Is you no, just because he's, he's, seen, he's seen friends and yeah. teammates <laughs> go through something. Yeah, I've been cut. I've been cut. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So I told Coach one of the story, one of our favorite stories on the Move Sticks podcast last week, but I got a different one for you. Um, so during cutdown date, and, and you've got this huge roster, right? On the uh, first one, 
um, we would find out what the list was. And it was actually me and Jeremiah Washburn were the two guys. We shared mm-hmm. these duties. So Jeremiah is now coaching the defensive line yep. with, with the Eagles. Um, but so we would get a list and we kind of divvy them up. Okay, you got this guy, I got this guy. And we'd go down there uh, into the locker room and have to find the guys and pull them out. It's, it's awful. It's awful, right? So we go down there and we don't know the faces of some of these players. They haven't been there that long, some of them. So we've got the names, right? <laughs> so we look up at the nameplates on the lockers to find out who these guys are so we can grab them. So we're looking around the locker room and look around the nameplates. And if you remember Zeus, I know coach does well. Yep. Orlando Brown is yep. the biggest human being you'll ever see in your life. Yeah, you know, Unfortunately, we, we lost him. He's passed away. But he's he's what, coach? Six, seven, oh, probably 380, yeah, somewhere around easily, there. Easily, easily. So we're, I'm walking in there. I'm looking in the locker room. I'm looking up at all the nameplates trying to find who I've got to cut. And Zeus is not – he's our starting right tackle. He's not getting cut. <laughs> but like all you guys, you're all paranoid. Yep. So he goes up above his locker where his nameplate off and takes his nameplate off and throws it across the room. And he goes, ain't cutting me. You ain't cutting me. And I'm like, trust me. I am not Don't know my name. Not, I'm not looking for you. You are good. And Ozzy, Ozzy used to always joke, and I, Coach knows this, hey, if, if we are ever going to cut Orlando Brown, Make sure that we're out of the building when we've got to go do that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was not going to be me. But so then the, the other side of that story. So I walk out and I had found every we, I had got everybody on my list, save one guy. Um, and so I'm walking uh, out of the out of the locker room. So they assume that I've cut that all the cuts have been made because we've kind of grabbed it one after another. So I'm walking out and Matt Stover, our veteran kicker. I don't remember who the receiver was, but he kind of nudges him and he goes, hey, never want to see this guy on, on a day like today, huh? Thinking the cuts were over and the guy he was with was the last guy. On oh, so I go, yeah, yes. I got actually, actually, gosh, I hate to, I get, you got to come with me. Stover went from about this big down to about <laughs> this big. He felt like such a jerk. I was like, oh, this job sucks, man. And the good thing was I was making a whopping 30 grand a year to, uh, to go through all that. Hey, DJ, was there, was there any like strategic, strategic ways you went about it because I know when I got cut in Seattle when I was sick before I got back on the team yeah. they they let they, they had Scott McLuhan call me and Scott mm-hmm. at that time he was the lead scout in Seattle he wasn't doing many of the cuts but yeah. because we had a personal relationship they said no you handle Mike Robb he's a <laughs> captain on our team you call him while he's at the movies with his kids oh. As, did you did you have any uh, any strategic ways that you went about going after certain guys especially veteran guys you had to cut you know what? There, there's not. It, there, no, there's nothing good. I'll give you another one. Remember Ron Johnson, coach? You remember yeah. receiver Ron? Oh, Johnson? sure. Yeah. Receiver. Yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. Ron was, had a little, had, he got a little upset. So I, I had to tell him, hey, we need your playbook. You need to go see coach. And he's like, I didn't bring my playbook. I'm like, well, we got to get your playbook. Like, this is pre iPad. There's no iPads or anything like that. This right. is like the real playbook. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I got to get your playbook. He's like, well, I left in my house. I'll, I'll get it to you. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, I can't no. go back upstairs unless <laughs> you have your playbook. He's like, well, what do you want me to do? I'm like, we're going to your house. Get your playbook. Yeah. I get my car and I follow him. And, and I'm in the 94 Accord where the windows don't even roll all the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to keep up with him as he's z- racing back to his house. So I get there, I pull up outside, I, I walk up to the front door, he kind of shuts the door, goes inside, <laughs> comes out, and just takes the playbook and throws it at me and then shuts the door again. And I was like, well, okay, got his playbook. Now we That's get back. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be that. When I, got, Definitely. when I got cut from the 49ers, okay, and so I have my old, I'm like you, I'm an old 67 cut list. It's a piece of sh- whatever. <laughs> and and it's, it's not a good day, right? 
So I'm, and this was back when the 49ers was in Redwood City and, and, and was yes. in the neighborhood. So I'm pulling out and I get pulled over by a cop. And I got all this 49er paraphernalia in my back, you know, T-shirts and stuff like that that says Niners, you know. And so I'm thinking, well, this this guy will cut me a break. And so he comes up and he goes, oh, you're going 40 in or whatever. And I go, yeah. And he goes, so, yeah, you were with the Niners? He goes, yeah, well, yeah, I just got cut. Yeah, so, you know, it's been a tough day. <laughs> he looks at me and goes, this isn't your day, is it? <laughs> he, <writes a> <laughs> he gave you a ticket. <laughs> he gave you a ticket anyway. Oh, <laughs> man. That's crazy. Now, now, DJ, to go back to, you know, kind of your Grim Reaper, your, your ex-title as the Grim Reaper, uh, cutting yeah. players. Um, did you have to, have to cut somebody that maybe um, from a scouting standpoint you really looked at and you were really high on and, you know, you really wanted the guy to be on the team? And, and the second part of that question is, how do you even spot talent in the first place? Yeah, well, I mean, look, when you when you're typically the guys that are doing that job, you are first or second year in the league, so okay. you, haven't, you haven't got to evaluate a ton of players at that point in time. But you become you, you'd get to know the guys because mm-hmm. you're around the building every day and you're doing other things. I mean, one of the other jobs I had, Mike, is I had to that first year at training camp had to weigh the guys in. As oh, they after, after that's crony work, man, dude. It's the worst. <laughs> that's why I'm telling you, people are like you earn these it's stripes. Crony this work. Man. I used to throw water on the way in, guy, man. True, true story. True story. <laughs> so every and and coach was adamant about this too. That guys need to weigh in because we need to know, you know, how, how what kind of shape they're in and what's going on with that. Yeah, get the benchmark. So I was pretty adamant about the guys. Hey, you got to hop on the scale. There's no no free passes except for two dudes every day. Ray Lewis and Jamal Lewis will walk by me and go, 245. I go, 245? I'm going to write that one down. But then uh, uh, Corey Fuller, who was a vet at that time, but who could have a little edge to him, he walked by me and was like, you know, 205. I'm like, no, 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 Corey, you got got to get on the scale, man. And then he didn't get on the scale. And so here I am. I'm this 20-something, just got hired. And I'm like, well, okay. I didn't put his weight down because he didn't get on the scale. He's the only one on the team. So then they put that's a clipboard that gets out to coach on the field. So here I am. I'm like, I don't I don't have anything to do with this anymore. That's out of my hands. He didn't weigh in. That's it. So here's Coach Billick does me a real solid out there on the field looking at the clipboard like Fuller. Hey, Fuller, you didn't weigh in this morning. Who, who, did, oh. who did the weights? And I'm like, oh. me. He's like, did he not weigh in? I'm like, didn't weigh in, coach. So now I got Corey Fuller just staring <laughs> daggers through me on the sideline. <laughs> Again, I, I'm surprised I stayed in this job after hearing after right. about not, all these. I'm old not stories, making man. enough to. Yeah, no. Well, you, but, you it, know, and it, it, go ahead, coach. It brings up a, a good point. I'm, I think it'd be interesting to hear because you've lived the scout's life. That is, you've already outlined a couple. This is not an easy life. It really isn't. Let alone the the time on the road. I mean, give the people a sense of exactly what that life is for a scout. Life on the road and the pressures that you're dealing with and. Yeah, it's 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 a long it's a long grueling uh, process to the, to the scanning process. So I've kind of detailed the first year or two when you're with an organization, and, mm-hmm. and Ozzie Newsom and the Ravens do it better than anybody. Coach knows it. Um, the way they train guys, you stay in the facility for a year and a half, two years. They really teach you how to study players and what to look for. And we always use the phrase, you know, what looks what does a Raven look like? So we kind of knew mm-hmm. the characteristics to look for. So I view scouting as 
you know, you're given a menu and then you've got to go around the country and find the things on the menu that, that work for your team. Um, and it is a lot of travel. I mean, you, you get out to training camp, usually spend about 16, 17 days at training camp to uh, evaluate your own roster, get a feel for your team. Um, and then after that, man, you hit the road and you are gone, uh, you know, going to colleges. And, and that's the thing about the NFL in baseball. Gosh, those poor guys are having to go to high schools and junior colleges and mess with yeah. all that. I mean, we are we are just looking at draft eligible players three years removed from high school at college campuses. So we have our list. Every uh, you know area scout has between you know forty to fifty schools. And so you know if you're on the West Coast, the you know the big schools, the SCs, you know the Oregon's, um, UCLA's, those you're going to try and hit those schools two or three visits throughout the fall. You hit them maybe in August, then you'll come back hit them in October, and then maybe at the end of the year. Um, so really that entire fall, you're gone. I mean, you try and get home on the weekends if you can. Uh, some guys, it's every other weekend where they'll get home. Um, but the majority of your scouting is taking place during the week. It's going into schools and you're talking with strength coaches, with uh, academic advisors, um, with position coaches. Uh, I mean, on and on and on and on. It, trying to get six, seven different sources at the school, then you're watching all the practice or all the game tape while you're there to, to take notes on them. Then you go out to practice, watch these guys practice. You got to get their body types, all, all those descriptions for those guys. Uh, and, and it's just you finish your day and your reward for finishing that full day is you get to get in your car and drive four hours to the next town right. <laughs> uh, to go to the next school. So it's, it's not a glamorous gig. I think a lot of people no. say, man, you just watch football all day long and, yeah. and you get to rank players like now nah, there's it's there's a it's a grind to say the least. Now, now, now well, answer, answer McDonald hamburgers in there. McDonald's. <laughs> no, don't be eating them hamburgers. Hey, hey Mike, Mike, let me give you my one. People always ask me this, so I'll give you this okay. free free of charge. What's the greatest lesson you've ever learned uh, from your time on the road as a scout? And I will tell this to anybody that's watching or listening, and this will be the best advice you ever get in your whole life: the cleanest bathroom on the road is the hotel lobby restroom. It is pristine. It is never used. You you guys that go into the to the coffee shops and the fast food restaurants and the gas Bad station, place. you guys are sick. You guys are sick. You, you don't that's that that place is a place you'll never want to visit. But that hotel bathroom, it is pristine. The Nobody little triangle it. is the little triangle is still on the ro- end of the roll of toilet paper because <laughs> it hasn't been used. And then on the way out you play your cards right you look at the name tag of the lady at the front desk. Hey, hey, Miss Betty, we'll see you later. Grab your cookie. Grab your cookie. Yes. Oh, sure. I'm good. You know what that's like. That's a veteran move there. That's awesome. All right, DJ, you got to do a couple, some name dropping here, all right? Somebody that you scouted that that you knew would pan out and ended up panning out. And then you got to give us somebody that, you know, you know, maybe didn't have, maybe you didn't think would pan out and they actually didn't. Yeah, I can give you, I'll give you two, uh, a hit and a miss. And it's, this is how crazy scouting works is it's in the same draft class. Uh, I'm with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, so I'll start with the bad. We, okay. we take Danny Watkins in the first round, uh, a left tackle out of Baylor, um, who was somebody that was very, very athletic, um, but he, had, he was a little bit older, right? So he had been, uh, he had been a fireman and then um, went back in to play football and he was awesome. Played really well against Vaughn Miller there. That was kind of his highlight. He was tough. He was physical. Um, so we take him. So you're taking an older guard at the bottom of the first round. That's already a little bit dicey. Well, he gets to the Eagles and he doesn't, we find out way too late. He doesn't really like football. 
he huh? wants to go back into oh. firefighting. Oh, um, so he only plays with us for a couple. Oh, he just what a you mark. want out of a first. How do you find not, that out, DJ? Not, not good. Well, you've got to go. You know, I was it wasn't my area at the time, but I loved him as a player. But you know, we just didn't do a good enough job of getting to right. know the kid mm-hmm. to know that his heart just really because he played hard on the field. But it's still, it wasn't his passion. And if you get to this level, I don't care how talented you are. If you're not passionate about it, you got no shot. Exactly. So that goes down as like one of the bigger misses, right? In the first round, total, total flame, flame out. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> he is legitimately fighting fires. He's doing the greater good for society right now. So at least that's. that's so you robbed <laughs> the world of a great firefighter. There you go. Yes. Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. So now he's he's out he's out you know fighting fires and 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 getting cats down from trees and doing us all a wonderful uh, bit of good, but that was a big miss. Well, in that same draft, uh, I believe it was a fifth round, right? Uh, fifth, yeah, fifth round. We took Jason Kelsey out of uh, out of Cincinnati, oh, wow. okay. who was somebody that was undersized. He played at like two eighty. Um, so it was like you know the question was, can he hold up? You know, is he going to be strong enough? But man, he was so athletic and so gifted. Um, we really liked him. So it's funny how the draft works. If we had taken Kelsey in the first round and Watkins in the fifth round, nobody bats an eye. And they say, that's a great, you know, it's a great draft, right? Nailed your first round pick. Ah, the fifth rounder didn't work out, but because it's flipped, people go, man, that, what a terrible draft. You know, you whiffed on, you whiffed on the first rounder. Um, but those are a great example of somebody that was really passionate about football and somebody that had the skills, but didn't really have that same drive. And that's a, that was a great lesson to learn going forward. And we've talked about all the time that, that, that even though it's easy to look back and say, okay, this was a mistake, those were legitimate picks. Yeah. I mean, there was a legitimate reason to take Watkins when you took him, mm-hmm. okay? But all but for the reasons that you talked about, it just shows you the nuance of what that relationship is and how you look at it and how you have to do that homework. And even if you do that, talk about you, – you, you alluded to it yeah. earlier about – getting with the coaches and the organizations, kind of figuring out, okay, what is it they want? What are they looking for? Talk about that process. Cause that's something that I think when we were with the Ravens was, was fine tuned. Yeah. Uh, and, and on my part, I know I could have been better in terms of communicating how important it is for the scouts to understand, okay, what exactly is it that you're looking for? And then when you find a guy that you really like, but maybe doesn't exactly fit what the coach thinks is good, but you really yeah. feel good about how you got to sell that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, it's fascinating. And coach in, uh, in Baltimore, you know, where I kind of learned and it was underneath Ozzy and Phil Savage and Eric Dacosta and that group, uh, Phil kind of came up with that, uh, STI, we called it, which was a STI index, which was speed, toughness, instincts. So mm. for the Ravens, if you look at all the different skill sets you can have and, and all, we just would boil it down to, is he play fast? I don't care about the time speed, his play speed. Does he play fast? Is he tough? And, and is he an instinctive football player? And if you think of the Ed Reeds and, right. you know, all, the Terrell Suggs, that's all exactly those guys, that's who they are. So yeah. we kind of knew uh, what you were looking for. And I, I always thought it was a huge advantage there to learn how to scout there because when you go out to practice every day and it's like, okay, I can look at the running back position. Jamal Lewis is kind of a he's kind of a prototype, what you would really want, you know, at that position. Todd Heap was a Pro Bowl tight end, so I kind of know what a tight end looks like. Yeah, Todd. There you go. J.O., Jonathan Ogden, Hall of Fame left tackle. Like You're not going to find many of those, but that you know what the gold standard looks like. Ray, uh, Ed, you looked at Suggs, you look at Nada. I mean, like we had Chris McAllister, who was a phenomenal corner. Right. Like we got a chance to study those. And it's like, you know, they say with the you know counterfeit experts, they don't go out and study all the fake money. They study what the real money looks like so they mm-hmm. can spot sure. an imposter. It's the same thing, you know, when you're scouting, when you kind of know what those things look like in – 
I know I know some people on on social media and everything they hate player comparisons and they go you know everybody needs to be their own individual player but it's it's crucial in the draft sure. process because mm-hmm. we want to give a reference to the room if coach hasn't seen the player and I'm reading my report and I tell coach this guy this guy is so similar to Bart Scott he might not be quite as fast but he's the same explosiveness plays with the same temperament and edge coach having not even seen him knows yeah. what this kid yeah, looks reference like. point a reference, a reference point. point. Yeah, gauge, you know. So there's no perfect comparisons, but you can say it's got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, but that's kind of how you're, you know, you're trying to paint the picture for these guys about the players. Well, let me ask both of you guys this. And DJ, maybe you can answer first. Does that same evaluation uh, change when you're talking about the quarterback position? Does that same STI index come into play? Uh-huh. Uh, and coach, do you say, hey, this is our offense. This is how we want to run it. We need a quarterback that can run this offense. Or do you say, that kid is undeniable. We'll build an offense around him. I think it's changed. I, I, we never use that for quarterbacks because okay. the quarterback position is just yeah, on totally its own. different. So and, and some of this is just kind of I've, I've kind of come over. Everybody has their own philosophy on this. And mm-hmm. I think you, you, you kind of have to get your own get on your own journey and figure the thing out. And it's changing as the game has changed. So, Coach, I'd love to know where you are on this. And Mike, get your take, too. But. When I grade quarterbacks now, when I look at them, I, the big three I used to always have were, were poise, accuracy, decision-making. Like if I have somebody that's got poise, accuracy, decision-making, I'm good. And then over the last couple of years, kind of seeing what's what's made it and then guys that haven't, I've added two more to that list, and that is playmaking ability. You know, I think the stationary pure pocket passer is, is probably a thing of the past. I don't think we're going to see that anymore. Really? Uh, I do because because of this, Mike. I, I think when you look at the quality of offensive linemen or lack thereof that are coming into this game, if your quarterback can't get you away from some of that, he's got to be able to get you away from it. Now, the, the, if you think about the guys that are able to do it, the Breeze, you know, you look at, at Brady, look at Roethlisberger. These guys can beat pressure with their mind because they've had time to get all that experience base to know all the answers to the test. Philip Rivers. Well, now. These kids are going in there. You you don't have all the answers to the test. So uh, while you're trying to learn and gain that experience, if you can win with your legs a little bit, and then eventually, like Russ, Russ is a great example. He could win some of those battles early in his career with his legs until he had the experience. Now he's got the knowledge and the experience base that he can fight those battles upstairs. I just don't know if you're going to have the time. If you you know if you mm-hmm. throw a kid out there, you look at Josh Rosen, couldn't move, it didn't work. You know, Haskins is a TBD, but that's what worries me a little bit about him is that, you know, by the time he gets the knowledge base, I don't know if he's going to still have those opportunities. He's got to be able to move a little bit. So I had playmaking. And the last thing I added was toughness. Like, man, you got to be you got to be tough. If you look at if you look at Rogers and look at these guys that have done this for a long period, Russ falls in that category, you know, being around rivers. These guys are all that toughness just just jumps out. So I didn't want to leave that one out. And when DJ is talking about movement ability, we're not talking about they got to be Lamar Jackson. Yeah. No, no, we're talking about a guy that buys time. Drew Brees is a perfect example. The way he subtly buys time within the pocket to extend a play, you know, a little bit different than say Russell Wilson does it, or certainly than a Kyler Murley or some of these other guys, but yeah, it's still that athleticism. When I was doing the book, the Q factor, the one we kept coming back to, because we kept, you know, that's basically what the premise of the book was about. How do we keep messing this up? And yeah. at best, it's a 50-50 proposition. And you evolve through it. DJ and I went through it together on a couple. The Ravens, you know, when you go through through the mistakes of taking a Kyler Bowler, Kyle Bowler, mm-hmm. you, you're a little bit better when you take a Joe Flacco, and then you hit the jackpot with, with Lamar Jackson. 
Now, these are kind of the same people, but you, you, you know, you learn from maybe mistakes or some of the perspectives. But the one I keep coming, and you mentioned it, and you wrapped a couple of them together. When I talked to Ron Wolf, legendary yeah. general manager, Father. scout, who, and, and first off, when it comes to quarterbacks, you got to know, nobody knows anything. <laughs> when it comes down to it, you don't. Flip a coin it's at such some a, point in time. Yeah, it's a moving scale. But if anybody could lay claim to having a history of taking guys down the road that have turned out well, uh, Ron Wolf could do that. He came back to the singular thing and all the things mm-hmm. you talked about, but he combined a couple of them that just basically said, I just want to see what the guy does in the big moments in college. Yeah. Mm. And what the coach had him do in the big moments. He mm-hmm. says, that's what drew me to Brett Farr. The coach in the big moments on a team that wasn't as good at Southern Mississippi as some of the others they're playing, he beats Georgia, he beats Florida. Because in the big moments, he put it all on Farr. And so I think that's a big one that you look at the players in terms of recognizing, can this guy step up to the big moments, not just pick the whole low-hanging fruit, because that's important too, guys that can just process it, but can step up into the big moments. And and that's that, that's a combination of the number of things, DJ, you were talking about. Well, guys, well, how, how does this year change things? I mean, we, we yeah, it's DJ. COVID, the, the global pandemic. It's not going to be scouts, you know, out on the road as much. They'll still be out there, but not actually seeing the guys yeah. uh, like they're accustomed to doing. How does this change things uh, with teams going forward? Well, I would say, and, and kind of along the lines of when I talked about missing on Danny Watkins at the quarterback position, it, you have to spend so much time around these guys to get to know them. Mm. And you guys, you know, the commitment at that position, you know, if you are not fully committed to investing the time you have to invest, you got no shot. Yeah. So to me, more than any other, you need to be around these guys as much as possible. Well, this year, you didn't have that opportunity. You didn't get a chance to go into the school visits. I mean, scouts have been allowed to go to games. Um, so even though if you watch a game on TV and it's an empty stadium, you'd be surprised there are some scouts uh, that are in those stadiums. So they have allowed that. Um, but, man, I, I like to see a guy play live. I like to see him in practice in three or four different uh, times, um, see how he handles adversity both in a game setting and a practice setting. How does he interact with his teammates? Um, I can't remember. I won't out the quarterback, but there was a quarterback. who was a first-round pick. There was a total bust. And I went to watch him at his bowl game, and they were playing a team that was better than them. So I didn't have any team gear on. I went down uh, to the field just outside uh, on the sideline, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would just follow him and mirror him up and down the sideline throughout the whole game. And, and they weren't playing well as a team. Offensively, they were struggling. And I watched him. He didn't interact with any of his teammates. He, wasn't, he, he was not uh, interacting with his coaches. They, they'd go three and out. He'd come off, kind of go off by himself. And I'm like, man, that's an interaction. If I'm just watching the All-22 video, I don't get that. Right. Okay. Um, that's something you get by being there. Um, so that, like you said, Mike, that's going to be hard. It's going to be hard on these teams to evaluate these kids. You're going to be, I mean, I, I'd, I'd want to be on a zoom call with these guys on a weekly basis. You know, if I'm, if weekly I'm picking in the, top 10, in the top 10, I'd want to be visiting yeah. with, I'm telling you every single week, it might be, Hey, 10 minutes on Friday. I want to get with you and just go over, you know, some, but some DJ. Good stuff. You, you know, just like I know, man, like these kids are trained now. Yeah. I mean, I went through the draft process. We had a guy down there with Tom Shaw in Florida. His whole job was to coach you up on how to pass every, yeah. you know, every psychological test. That was his whole job of being down yep. there. So how do you how do you decipher that? You how to cut you, through it? How do you, you got to find a way it? to cut through it? You got to find a way. You got to be creative. You know, one of the things uh, uh, Ozzy used to always do, which I thought was great, was we would have players come in and he would ask him, you know, who's the leader of the defense? 
and every one of them, I miss Michigan one year had a zillion yeah. guys. Right. <laughs> so, and uh, so we had, it was a Leon Hall, Prescott Burgess, David Harris. I mean, they had that like was my six, year. That was, was it? That was your year. Okay. Yeah. There you go. They, had, they had a zillion guys. I think they had, uh, I don't remember, they had offensive linemen that year. I mean, they mm-hmm. had a ton of dudes, ton of dudes. Um, so they would come through there and we'd all ask them, who's the leader of the defense? Well, they all said David Harris. They all said David Harris, except for one guy. One guy said, no, nah, I'm the leader of the defense. Oh. Huh. We said, all your teammates said that David Harris was the leader of the defense. <laughs> like, no, no. He said, well, they all said that, that uh, David Harris – you know, orchestrated uh, a film night like every Wednesday. You guys as a defense would get together, and he said he organized that. He said, "No, no, I organized that. I, I got all the defense together." Go, okay, that's interesting. Interesting. So we kind of go through, and and we kind of switch the subject a little bit. Ozzy comes back to him though, just real quick question. Goes, "Hey, when you guys were uh, when you guys watch tape, who holds the clicker?" He goes, "Oh, David Harris." He goes, "Ozzy goes." That's who organized. There we go. Absolutely. You, know, I, you, you talk about it, Mike, how these guys are always prepared. I, mm-hmm. I, I remember we had DJ, you may, I can't remember if you were in a room or not. We had some kid come in one time and you're right. They're, they're prepared for it. You know, they know they're going to have to answer, particularly if they've had some issues. So they've been coached up. This is how you answer that. So this kid came in and he, I'm looking at his rap sheet and I can tell he's nothing serious. He'd just been around some stuff. So I, I don't, I only got 15 minutes. That's the only interaction I may have with kids. So he starts on his mantra that the PR people, I said, whoa, 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 time out. I said, look, you don't, you're tired, I'm tired, we don't have time. I just have one question. I'm looking at your sheet here. Are you a thug or are you just stupid? <laughs> and, and he pauses and goes, are those my only options? <laughs> and I thought, okay, he's not stupid. <laughs> so you got to find a way to cut through it. You got to find a way to cut through it sometimes. It, it, it's all good, man. Well, look, hey, DJ, man, great job coming by the, coming by the podcast, man. I appreciate it, man. It, you know, Coach, and, and you guys have worked together, all the great stories that you guys share together. Uh, you have a, your own podcast, Move the Sticks podcast. Uh, I don't know if you want to say a few words, let everybody know where they can oh, that's find you. that's a great one. I was on the that. other day. We got to do that again. That's a good podcast. Move the Sticks. No, you guys are the best. I appreciate it. It's great to join you. We have a lot of fun on on Move the Sticks. I think you guys are going to love this podcast space because all that time, and we love our producers, but all that time in our ears of rap, 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 you get no raps. raps. Just let it go. Just go. Just let it go, man. That's great perspective from both of you guys. And that will do it for this week's NFL Total Access, The Locker Room. For more insight with The Locker Room Point of View, Check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l e e s a dot com slash iHeart.